Local Edge, powered by Ad Canada Media. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to Local Edge, your show for better understanding and connecting with small communities in Canada. Here, we explore the value of these markets to advertisers, agencies, communities, and more. And we bring you the latest news, insights, and trends from the world of local advertising and marketing. I'm your host, Shauna Randolph. And in this show, we will be talking to community connectors, media buyers, business leaders, and more to find out what makes small communities so important to the advertising industry. So, whether you're an advertiser, agency, community member, or just simply interested in the world of local advertising, join us right here on Local Edge for a closer look at the power of small communities in Canada. Very excited to have our next guest joining us from Melville, Saskatchewan. We have publisher of Grasslands News Group, Chris Ashfield. Chris, nice to see you. Thank you. Thank you uh, for having me on today. So we want to start with talking all about your company, Grasslands News Group. What's it all about? Fill us in. Well, we're an independent media company that owns and publishes uh, five community newspapers and communities throughout uh, southeast and east central Saskatchewan. We also provide other services such as commercial and large format printing, as well as uh, things like office stationery sales. How did it all start and when? Well, for myself, I'm actually a fourth generation uh, community newspaper publisher. I followed in the footsteps of uh, my parents, my grandparents, my uh, great grandparents, as well as several uncles and great uncles. So I'm, uh, I'm one of four owners of Grafton News Group. Uh, I'm also the publisher of all five publications. We often hear that with our guests, um, that this is usually a family tradition. When you're in the news business, the ink business, it carries on. So you must be really connected within the community as well. Yeah, no, I'm fairly involved within the uh, community. I, I work mainly out of our Malville office. We have uh, offices in places like Whitewood as well. I actually live in Whitewood, but I'm also on uh, quite a few councils, committees and fire departments and things like that. So uh, we are fairly involved within our communities. Let's talk about the type of coverage that you find your audiences really prefer. So just giving us a sense of, of what do you find people are most interested in what you provide them? Local, 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 local. That's, that's what people want to see from our, our publications. Uh, they can get the uh, national, international news from anywhere on the internet, but uh, there's only one place that you can get the local news about the communities that we serve, and that's in our publications. What about the transition from just depending old school of having that hard copy newspaper to now, of course, providing the service online? How's that transition gone for you? You know, uh, um, it's, it hasn't really been a transition. It's just been an added value for, for, uh, for our customers where it, they have the opportunity to choose how they want to read their, their publication. Uh, we still have a lot of people that still like having that physical copy in their hands so they can sit down and read it whenever, uh, get away from the computer screens for a few days. But we like uh, we have a lot of readers that uh, enjoy the ability to be able to read their paper from anywhere. They can go uh, down south for the winter. They can still access their, their publications. So it, it, I think it's a good mixture of uh, us providing either either or options for them. So that aside, what sort of challenges, successes have you experienced over the years as your company has grown, evolved? You know, some of the biggest challenges uh, has probably been caused by online market, not so much because it provides competition for us, but because it has affected our main street uh, businesses and local communities who are now competing against businesses like Amazon. Um, and 
when we start losing the businesses from our communities, um, it ultimately affects the newspaper as we have less advertising dollars available to us. Add on the fact that we've also seen governments make that switch from uh, advertising dollars in local media to social media. Um, so they're spending their money for public notices and things like that. And effectively, we find by going to things like Meta and Google or Facebook, I guess you could say, instead of local media. So they're sending their money out of country instead of in country where it serves its best purpose. Here's a question specifically for anybody watching who's an advertiser. Chris, what do you say to them? Why should they consider including rural communities in their advertising strategies? I think one of the best uh, comments I heard about uh, advertising social media, um, and just before I say that, I want to say, uh, as an advertiser, you should be everywhere. Um, you can't just put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, so you should be in, in print, you should be on radio, you should be a TV. If you have a TV station, you should be on social media. But the best, the best I heard was somebody compares social media advertising to watching a kid's soccer game, where they're all running around kicking the ball, but nobody really knows the rules or what's happening. That's what's happening or was happening with social media advertising, where nobody really knew how to make it work, but they all knew they had to be in it. So what we're seeing now is that people are actually coming back to community newspapers and print media because they realize that it, it, it's not working for them just putting all their eggs in that one basket. So for Grasslands News Group, what opportunities do you see moving forward? What are your plans? Let's look ahead. Well, um, moving forward, I mean, we're an industry, we're continually adapting and we're changing to the, to the meet needs of our advertisers and our readers. Um, we want to come up with new ideas to engage with those customers and we love seeing the responses and the success when we do have those uh, advertising campaigns and ideas for our customers. Uh, ultimately, we're here to help our advertisers be successful because when they're successful, we're successful as a business. And it's all about staying in tune with the community as well. Exactly. Um, you still got to always focus on that local, local, local when it comes to the readers. Um, and when you do that, you have the readers and then the advertisers realize that, yes, we are reaching those people that we need to reach that we can't reach by any other medium. And speaking of reaching, we want people watching to be able to reach you. So how can people be in contact with you, Chris? Well, we do have a, uh, our company website has all our contact information on it. Um, it's www.grasslandsnews.ca. We also have a toll-free number. It's 1-844-GNG-NEWS, N-E-W-S. Thank you for your time. We appreciate you filling us in on your world there in Saskatchewan. Thank you. That is Chris Ashfield. He is publisher of Grasslands News Group. Hey, everybody wants to look their best and the stats don't lie. In Alberta, $287 and over in Saskatchewan, $242 is spent on makeup, skincare and manicure products. In Eastern Canada, the numbers are closer to 20% higher. For targeted data like this and to get a better understanding of connecting with local markets, please visit adcanadamedia.ca. Tim Beach is the media lead with Blue Noise Studio in Toronto. He joins us right here on The Local Edge. Hi there, Tim. Hi, Shauna. Thanks for having me. Very good to have you here. Let's talk about the name Blue Noise. That's such a cool name for a company. And tell us all about it. Well, Blue Noise basically was started off as a creative agency only, doing creative content and production. And that's what really enticed me because I'm a media guy, you know, coming from a bigger agency on planning and buying. And some part of my passion is always to work with uh, creative team directly. 
and they were looking for more and more of their clients started to look for the media planning and buying offering. So I started doing some projects with them. And then um, at the right time, it made sense for both of us, for us, for, for me to come and um, come on board full time and start a media department for them. Yeah, this I don't is really have any big story around the Blue Noise name, but that's how everything came about from a full service agency for Blue Noise. And I'm excited about it. Um, okay, so you've been involved in just so many larger companies and then coming to the smaller market. So for most notably, media director with Cassette Media, one of the largest media country, uh, companies in the country. So what was that like to make that change and why? Well, it was a, you know, it was a big change, of course, um, something that I was really thinking about for quite some time. Um, I kind of alluded to it a minute ago where um, you know, the more senior you get at a bigger agency, it's fantastic. Um, don't get me wrong. It's just a matter of uh, you kind of do less of the product and less of the actual the campaigns and the work. And it's something that I just wanted to really get back to doing the hands-on work, um, looking for that model where a lot of people have been actually, when they, they're leaving bigger agencies, senior people to join together and start some smaller agencies and have that model where senior senior people do the campaigns and the work from top to bottom. And so that was my desire to kind of find something where I can work with the creative teams on a regular basis um, and, you know, really be integrated that way. So whether it's a big company or a smaller company, there's this phrase I really want to talk about right now. It's, it's planning where you advertise. Tell us why, Tim, that this is so important. Well, really, that's that's the big thing right now, like local media. Something that's so important about local media is that there's kind of two phases to it. One of them is really about, you know, the big manifesto that's a hot topic right now around how do we um, help journalism survive? That's something that we've all been talking about where, you know, of course, a lot of eyeballs have really been looking at their news through social media feeds and other things, and it's really competitive. But it does take away from a lot of the advertising spend that was going to journalism. Something that's really helped recently, and I'm sure you guys have talked about it a lot on, the, on this podcast before, but really they've been doing a lot more good research to show that when you do have your advertising placements within trusted local media environments, like, say, publisher digital products, then you do get see that lift um, in the actual performance, the impact, the engagement of that ad versus social media feeds and other global media that um, you may be purchased, uh, you may have purchased in the past as well. So then how does this work into rural communities? I really want to focus on that. So rural communities compared to, um, you know, the, the urban areas there, what sort of strategies do you give advertisers when you, when you help them out in that sense? Yeah, absolutely. That is something that I've been really passionate about for, for quite some time now. And that's looking at BNC markets to, to your point, Mid-sized, smaller cities, rural cities, that's something that a lot of the bigger clients um, actually have been wanting to, of course, invest more dollars in, uh, spend more media dollars, try and uh, increase their KPIs, their brand awareness, and their uh, results, of course. And something that's really key there is that I feel like it's very important for media planners and buyers to not just blanket cover 40 markets in Ontario, let's say. Um, they really should be looking at each individual market as its own and look at the new nuances. Each market has different land, uh, media landscape, for example. Some markets might have way more transit, really strong in transit, so you do more transit advertising. Some might be a border town where you know the local radio is not as strong 
Uh, so you're looking at other things like the local paper that's really strong, or you might be looking at certain markets that um, are have a lot more available outdoor. Um, so basically what I'm saying is that you really need to hone in on each of these markets. The best thing to do is really, you know, back in the day, we actually used to do more road trips, believe it or not. Um, we had more budgets to be able to go and check out all these cities, whether it be Barrie, London, Windsor, Kingston, in person and actually do research to kind of get the lay of the land and plan the media differently in London versus Windsor and Kingston. Now, of course, it's at your fingertips. So I always encourage a lot of planners to go on Google and do a ton of research on each of these markets and get the little nuances and insights for each of them that would steer you into uh, planning different media for each of the markets. Okay, so let's tap into your expertise now, of course, not specifically, but in a general sense then for anyone that is considering tapping into the smaller community. So what makes a typical community newspaper different then from newspapers or publications, you know, in the larger markets? Well, really, they, one thing that's pretty hard hitting is results. Um, a lot of the clients, even to this day that I'm working on right now, that still do either a lot of print or um, digital print, uh, the community papers are really strong. Um, a lot of clients I have, we actually have direct attribution per ad, whether it be print or digital, of course. And basically, it's showing that a lot of the community papers, um, the ROI is strong, strong directly related to the ads we're doing within those uh, publishers. So that's one big thing. And then and also when it comes down to, um, you know, really just the, the research I just mentioned earlier that they're showing that a lot of people are saying that, you know, this is the kind of thing when I see an ad that's in my local paper, my community paper, I trust it more. It's something that, you know, I really feel strong about. We hear about trust all the time when we talk to our guests here on Local Edge that, you know, the communities tighten it and they really depend on the newspapers as a, to be a big part of the community. Um, so are, are larger advertisers now finally starting to understand the power of the smaller local media? I think so. I would say I worked on a, a pretty big telco for years and that's something that we really, really um, brought to the table for them, uh, this whole notion of the importance of BNC market. So I would say yes, um, they definitely usually see strong results too, where even if it's a really small market and we go in and we do a, a 360 media buy, but again, to my point that we really get local uh, based on that community. So in some cases it might be that we're, we're doing the local print, digital, but we also might be doing a lot of community outdoor. So community centers, hockey arenas, restaurants, cinemas, um, depending on, again, what our insight that we find for each of that, each of those communities. When we do that activity and do it consistently, then that trust is built. And, and we've seen a lot of results, a lot of the KPI metrics and the brand metrics that we track within those smaller markets are showing results and then ultimately results in sales as well. Bottom line there, then Tim, what would you say to someone who's in a large market, okay, even in your area in Toronto that's saying, hey, I just might consider some place in Saskatchewan, you know, local market. What is your bottom line tip for them? Uh, my bottom line tip, I, I, I know I, I keep bringing back to this, but it's really like, if you're going to do that, like you entrench yourself in those markets. You find out everything you possibly can find out about those markets to not only to do the right media plan, but also one other thing that uh, I love is really like creativity within media planning, right? So a really, really quick example, if I have time for that, but you know, we researched, my team at one point researched um, London, Ontario, and there were so many nuggets that we found. And one of, the one, one of the ones that I love the most and we acted on was that there is this major intersection that is well-known, I think it's off Richmond somewhere, 
but that has this problem where if you're stuck at this train at this intersection you're stuck for about seven to eight minutes so that's well known insight so that's something that we took further when there's a big billboard from Patterson that's there so we worked with Patterson long story short where we actually promoted the people to go onto a um, uh, frequency that we created on on the radio station we, we had to set up our own frequency on the radio and a person can go there and actually uh, listen to get entertained for those seven minutes uh, and obviously brought to you by a brand right so that's one example but ideally um, if you're doing 20 markets in Ontario that you have a distinct insight and idea around that local media so creative that would be the best way to pass time for a train uh, Tim how can people reach you anybody watching here today well I'm at Tim uh, at blue noise uh, sorry Tim at blue noise.ca um, so that's where you can reach me. Um, obviously, uh, LinkedIn is a is a good way as well. So ping me on LinkedIn. All right. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it here, Tim. Thank you. That's Tim Beach. He is the media lead for Blue Noise Studios in Toronto. Did you know Albertans budgeted close to $1,000 per household on dues and fees for sports and recreational facilities, while in Saskatchewan, the numbers were closer to $700 per household. For targeted data like this and to get a better understanding of connecting with local markets, please visit adcanadamedia.ca. I'm pleased now to introduce our next guest, joining us all the way from Stonewall, Manitoba, just about a half an hour outside of Winnipeg. We have Lana Meyer with the owner of Interlake Graphics. Lana, very nice to see you. And nice to meet you too, Shauna. Okay, let's start with you telling us you have the floor all about Interlake Graphics. What's it all about? Well, Interlake Graphics is the printing part of our business. So our actually, the, our umbrella company is big and colorful printing and publishing. If you can think it, we can ink it, is sort of our motto of the company. So when I bought the company in um, 2010, it was a commercial sheet-fed printing operation, which I expanded into newspapers. So today, um, we have six publications, six different titles, but we originally started with just with three, which we've grown to six. Okay, let's start uh, now talking a little bit about the communities that you serve. Well, we serve uh, every bedroom community and community within three or three hours driving distance of the city of Winnipeg. So Morden, Winkler, Carmen, Altona, Interlake, Selkirk, and Stonewall. Um, so we're from the U.S. border up to the top of Lake Winnipeg, Lake, Lake Manitoba, and everything in between. So how many people do you think you, you serve with all of those combined? Well, if you go by the statistics that there's 2.4 people reading every newspaper, we reach out to 58,000 newspapers every week. Um, so if you use that number as a, you know, the, the real number that we probably for readership, we would say we're in excess of, if we did quick math on that, 150,000 people every week read the papers. Wow. And how's business been for you coming out of the pandemic during it, that sort of thing? How are things now? Well, things are actually busy. We've we've got lots of little challenges we've come across um, during the pandemic. Things were a little bit on the slower side because if you when you think three hours of driving, um, the reporters weren't covering meetings in the traditional way of going to sit at a council meeting or covering to covering an event in person. 
So we were now doing school board meetings through Zoom, um, town council meetings also through Zoom. So if you consider the driving time to get to a meeting, which would anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half to get to somewhere to get to event, you now have uh, those staff no longer driving. So they're able to actually be almost more productive or have more free time for them. But uh, so for us, I just felt that uh, when our competitor, so I should speak a little bit about our history sort of, and maybe a little bit kind of where we came from. So we're a new business, but we were, we started up newspapers in a competitive market. So we had post media already in our communities. So during the midst of the pandemic, post media shut their operations down in a number of the communities that we were serving. And in two of those communities, Altona and Carmen, it left them with no newspaper. So we had calls from the mayors and uh, economic development officers in both those communities. And they asked if there was any chance that we would consider expanding our operation into their communities. And uh, the Altona mayor called me first and he said, well, I've got to talk to the movers and shakers in our community and I'll get back to you. But what would, what could you do and how what kind of time frames? And I said, I can start a paper up next week if you guys have the dollars. So he said, what kind of money would be like? And I said, it would take four or $5,000 a week to be able to get a paper up and going, serving your community. And we'd gone through the distribution and what, how many towns and that sort of stuff. So he said, okay, I'll get back to you. Uh, about why well, he was, that was the morning on the Wednesday. And then uh, three hours later, Tyler King from the Economic Development Officer of Carmen phoned, and he had the same problem. He said, Post Media has just pulled out of our community. We need a paper. It's a vital. Um, we don't know what we're going to do, but is there any chance you could help us out? And um, we kind of talked about expanding our Morton Winkler paper into that market, but the demographics are very, very different, and every community is unique in its own way. So after a little bit of you know, chatting about it and what there's sort of what's important and what sort of things they do in their community and what the retail sector looks like for advertising dollars. We decided that uh, they could come up with the four or $5,000 every week on their own within the community. And we wouldn't need to expand Morton Winkler and they could have a paper exclusive to their demographic, to their communities. And it would be relevant a hundred percent local to them. So uh, that was Wednesday at three o'clock in the afternoon, Thursday, Wednesday night, actually, I called my graphic designer and I said, uh, Nicole, I'm starting a newspaper up tomorrow in Carmen. And she said, tomorrow? And I said, yeah, but I need a, a rate sheet and I need a logo design. So I said, what can you do? Called my business partner and I told him what I thought we should do. And he said, okay, we're going to call it the Carmen Bugle. <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> so, <laughs> we thought, I was just sort of uh, thinking, you know, the Bugle is a great name. You stand on the street and the Buglers used to extra, extra read all about it going back to the existence of time and anyways I got down I had my uh, rate sheets made up and my logos designed and by Thursday morning nine o'clock I was already oh in the meantime I'd also sent out an email I'd gone through and they have a business directory online at the town of Carmen so I found all the email addresses for every business that was registered and I sent a mass email out to 108 businesses and uh, told them that uh, I was starting a new newspaper up in their community. It would be paid for 100% by advertising dollars. And uh, if we wanted to continue recording the history for the community, I would require local support from the businesses. So I sent that mass email out and I said, I've got three front page ads, um, a top banner, a bottom banner, a side banner. This is what the price is. You have to commit for 52 weeks of the year. And uh, this is the price. And by 1.30 in the morning, um, 
Conrad Van Dessler had sent me an email back and uh, said that he'd never actually bought advertising in the newspaper before, but he wanted a spot on the front page because the newspaper was so important to him and the community. So he said, whatever it would take, count me in. So Lana, I just have to, your story is amazing. I just really wanted, I think this is a great way to reflect that small town community newspapers are valuable. There's this perception out there for some people that they're struggling in that sort of thing, but you have shown the success by being just so connected in the community, having that trust within the community and providing an exceptional service. Yeah, and and we are. I mean, it's so important. I think for people, especially today in the day that we have, that there's so much fake news out there and people have learned to trust their community newspaper. So we have to be out there. And if people don't have that paper to record their history, to pick the paper up, to see, you know, how their school taxes are going to be going up and the reflection of what the kids are doing in school or how that increase is going to, you know, what it's going to be done, whether it's pay increases for the council members or whatever. So we're able to record that information. So let's say Anyways, going forward, going forward, what are your long-term goals? What excites you? Where are you taking this? I, um, I, when it comes to long-term goals, I don't know. I get asked that many, many times. They say, where, where are you going? Who's taking the business over? Do you have an exit plan? I don't. I'm 56 year, years old today. I was, um, I would be one of those people, you guessed you would say that I was born with ink in my veins. Um, I took over the business from my dad originally. And then, um, I, I don't know. I don't. I just know the importance of the paper. I'm passionate. I have a great team that work with me. And as long as we've got the advertising support and we've got the commitment from the government as well, that newspapers are vital, um, I think we'll be around and I'll probably be doing this to the day I die. Lana, how can people reach you? When I'm working in Stonewall, um, I'm usually in my office actually from uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And uh, the rest of the week, I could just about be anywhere. So if anybody needs to get a hold of me, give me a call at my office in Stonewall, 204-467-5836, or uh, any of our publications. Um, I'd be happy to connect with anybody and share our stories and the importance of the papers. Lana, thank you. Let's have you on again, okay? Okay, sounds great. Thank you. That's Lana Meyer. She is the owner of Interlake Graphics. Wow, they love their cereal on the island. An average of over $600 per household was accounted for annually on cereal grains and cereal products in Prince Edward Island. For more data like this and a better understanding of connecting with local markets, please visit adcanadamedia.ca. Thanks everyone for watching us here on The Local Edge and being part of our show. Again, I'm your host, Shauna Randolph. And for additional information and extended interviews, be sure to subscribe to the Local Edge podcast on any of the major platforms like Spotify, Apple, Google, and more. Just make sure you do subscribe to our show and any time then we release a new episode, it goes right into your mobile device. Pretty easy. See you next time on Local Edge. This series is proudly produced by the team at Road 55. Road 55 creates content that connects. For more information, check our website, www.road55.ca.